The Reporter's Report is brought to you by the Foundation for Artistic Radio Telecommunication Sciences and the Gene and Jeanette Lambaster Trust. Fear. It's a terrifying thing. From the soldier in the heat of battle to the young child on their tricycle seeing a clown for the first time on a Florida afternoon, fear pervades all of our lives. The stories we tell about fear are the stories that help us remember what fear is. My guest today is Lewis Appleseed, author of Dance Macabre, Dance of Darkness, My Dance with Destiny. Lewis is a New York Times bestseller and runs his own blog. The time is 7.30 p.m. It's October 30th, 2019, and this is Reporter's Report. The studio's chilled to 68 degrees. The clock is ticking on the wall. The producers are scrambling to get the next show ready. I'm sitting across from Lewis Appleseed. He checks his watch, syncing it with the clock. Is this some sort of reporting strategy? One can only guess. He checks his pocket. Perhaps he has forgotten his keys. He hasn't noticed the stain on his shirt yet. Lewis, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really good to be here. So uh, tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book. Why did you want to tell this story? How did you tell this story? What, what, what allowed you to gain the, the courage to, to tell this story? Well, I had no why to tell this story. I simply had to. I had no choice. If I were to keep this story to myself, I don't think I would ever sleep another wink. Mm-hmm. Um, I, after this happened to me, you know, I've had raging insomnia. I've been unable to return to my normal day-to-day life. Um, my cats don't like me anymore. Um, and just what happened to me that night was, was by far the most bizarre lead I've ever chased in my whole 20 years in journalism. You know, I, uh, I have insomnia as well. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. It's a terrible affliction. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank um, you. one thing that, that helps, um, at least calm me down is uh, I'll drink about half a bottle of NyQuil. And uh, I won't fall asleep, but I'll, I won't be as frustrated throughout mm. the rest of the night. I should try that. Yeah. So this book, there's no why. But after reading it, it felt like there was a why. But not one that's necessarily apparent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's part of the intrigue is uh, the why isn't really apparent to me either and that's why I've been writing it is to um, try to figure out why I am writing it right right. yeah yeah there's a saying about that um, about putting things together Mm. as Uh, you do them as you do them Mm. yeah yeah process Mm. process Mm -hmm. Process. so what started this what started this story oh well um, it was really just a regular afternoon I was on my way to to Nashville, actually, to 
interview Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Um, she had just won a sixth grade gymnastics competition, and she did a triple backflip, which a sixth grader's never done. So I was really excited to to interview her, not just because she was Elvis Presley's granddaughter, but because she accomplished such an amazing athletic feat. Now, as an independent reporter, are these the stories you normally cover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm in- extremely intrigued by uh, children who do amazing things that uh, most adults can't even do. Uh, before I was actually headed to Nashville to interview uh, her, I was in upstate New York and I was interviewing this young man. He was he was six years old and he just uh, walked across the country like Forrest Gump, and um, that was that was an amazing story. His feet were extremely blistered and bruised, um, but wow, the, yeah. the stories he told me of Middle America were fascinating. Have you heard of algebra, baby? No. Uh, what do you mean, like algebra, like? Like the type of mathematics? No, no, no. Uh, algebra baby. Like it's a baby it's who does... It's a pretty famous video on YouTube. Um, no. It's a baby doing algebra. Really? Yeah, here. I'll pull up a video. Do you know where they live? I would love to interview her. Yeah, they're in um, Connecticut. Connecticut? Mm-hmm. I was just in New York. Sorry, this commercial. Missed opportunities. It won't let me skip the ad. Three seconds. It's a 30-second ad? Yeah. <sighs> okay, here we go. Yeah, so that's her... Her doing algebra. Wow. She uses Cheerios. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I would love to sit her down and uh, really interview her. Um, that was like, I think that was 10 years ago. Oh, wow. So she's probably like 11, 12? Probably. So she was doing algebra then. Mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine what she's accomplishing now. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to track her down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to um, I'll have to buy yellow pages. I'll figure that out later. Sure. Sure. Did you want to watch the rest of the video or do you kind of got the gist of it? I have the general idea. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what was the catalyst for you to, to take this lead? Because it seems like, you know, especially going against your MO, what... What enticed you to... Yeah, so as I was saying, yeah, I was on my way to Nashville, mm-hmm. and um, on my way there, I was passing through a small town in Illinois, uh, Grovesport, uh, which I'd never heard of before. Very strange town. Uh, the people were very friendly, but in a very off-kilter way. Like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't look at you dead in the eyes. They wouldn't look at your face. They would look just slightly to the right of your face, or to the left, some of them to the left. Um, but... I stopped at a bar, uh, you know, just to grab a drink. Uh, it was, you know, about three o'clock, and I overheard these two gentlemen uh, sitting just a few bar stools away from me, uh, talking about this uh, elusive figure who'd lived in Grovesport his whole life, who'd just passed away. Uh, I guess he went by the name of Saint Creepy, and when I heard that name, something in me told me to listen up more an eavesdrop because um i've never heard of anyone by that name have you you know it's a no i haven't yeah it's a it's a bizarre name i knew i knew um a kid in sixth grade uh named named sal creepson okay yeah a few kids used to call him uh creepy Creepy, yeah. yeah. But he didn't like it. So but he wasn't like, a saint. He wasn't a saint, no. Yeah, they no. Called and it... after, he, after he said he didn't like it, we stopped calling him Saint Creepy. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, Creepy, not Saint Creepy. Yeah. Um, 
So this guy's name, yeah, he was Saint Creepy. Mm-hmm. And so right away, I was like, well, Creepy, that's interesting last name, but a saint. What sort of saint is he? And everyone was talking about him like this. And so, you know, I bought the gentleman a drink and I started asking them more questions about this. And I guess there was a, a very reclusive man, very wealthy, who lived on the outskirts of Grovesport where um, the trees met the town. There's sort of a, a, a forest that goes on for quite a ways at the edge of town. And there's a, there's a little creek that runs through there. But on the very edge of it, on a hill, there's this enormous mansion that, that no one's ever been into, no one's ever seen um, f- up close besides driving by. And um, they were saying that this, this, this man, St. Creepy, had just passed away. And that in honor of his passing away, they were going to have an open house and they were inviting the town to come and see this mansion that they've all been wondering about for for years, years, 50, 60, 70 years this man has lived there. And um, there was such a an air of mystery around the situation. And all the all the townspeople that I talked to were were very, very excited to go and see this mansion. They all had so many questions about this about this man, and there were lots of rumors about him, that he was some sort of black magician, um, that he worked with the dark arts, um, that uh, he was a serial killer, that, that he was a ghost, that there were so many rumors that all contradicted each other. And I, you know, I know one thing. The rumors might not be true, but when someone has that many rumors around them, something's happening. Something there. must be yeah. happening. I, I, and my reporter instincts kicked in, and I knew I just had to sniff out that story. So, I mean, I had to call uh, Elvis Presley's granddaughter, and I had to cancel, unfortunately. So if you're listening to this, um, Lila, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I had to cancel. But uh, we'll, we'll get down to the we'll, – we'll get – I'll get down there. We can do the interview. Um, I apologize. But um, that, that's kind of how it all started. So the open house was the next night. So I decided, you know, can I swear on this podcast? No, you can't. I decided, you know, fuck it. I'm going to, you know, rent an Airbnb and stay here at night. So the next night I could go and go to this open house and sort of see what this illustrious figure everyone was so afraid of was all about. How do you like Airbnb? Oh, I like it. Yeah. I'm a fan. Um, As a reporter, being on the road a lot, uh, it really comes in handy. And you can find really cool places on there. You know, not your same old boring Holiday Inn or Motel 6. Sure, sure. Um, like, for example, when I was in Grossport, I, I ended up staying in a, a really large birdhouse hmm. that was in someone's backyard. Wow, yeah. Uh, there were lots of birds in there. It's a nice uh, it's a nice alternative, for sure. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was up in a tree. Um, wow. There was a bird bath on the ground level, so if I needed to use that, I, I could. It was only 20 bucks. For the bath? Oh, for the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Wow, that's a good deal. It was awesome. It really was. And considering, you know, I really don't need the creature comforts most people are accustomed to. Well, I mean, so many people get murdered in motel rooms. I know. So walk us through uh, moment to moment uh, when you got to uh, the mansion. St. Creepy's Mansion? St. Creepy's Mansion, yeah. That is that is correct. Uh, That's at least what 
was on the sign on the gate outside. I see. So it's a it's a extremely large mansion. It's painted all black, um, stained glass windows. On the outside, there's about a twenty foot fence that surrounds the whole building. Now, when I was reading your book, um, I noticed you spend a considerable amount of time describing this fence. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty-four pages by my count. Please share with us why this fence was so significant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just so tall. Right. Yeah, you I said mean, twenty feet. Right? Twenty feet tall. It stretched all the way around the house. Right. I, I walked the perimeter. And how how deep was it? The the fence. Because because you 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 do such um, an amazing job just intricately and masterfully uh, describing this fence. I mean, everything down to the, you know, the weld, the, the welding and, 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 and the engravings and, mm-hmm. and even down to the, the, the little individual pieces of rust on every, every fence pole. But mm-hmm. uh, you never mentioned the depth of the, um, of the, the fence. And that's been haunting me. Yeah. Um, as uh, much as this whole story has been haunting you. Yeah. Please don't corner me with questions like that. So you get to this fence, mm-hmm. um, and and you're at the gates, and uh, the, what, what's the first thing you see? Well, I see these very large cats that are perched on the on top of the fence. Uh, all domestic, you know, short hairs, your standard cats, but they were just slightly larger than an average cat. They were very fat. I would say if your average, you know, bigger cat weighs about like 10 pounds, these are probably around like 15, 16. Hmm. Um, and... They were, they were very friendly, and there were four of them just perched on either side of the fence, and then there was a gate in the middle with a long driveway leading up to the mansion. And uh, the cats were really friendly and nice, and they were meowing at me and purring, and then they started to like flip over onto their backs like as if they wanted their belly rubbed. So, But you couldn't pet them? Well, I tried to pet them. Right, but they were 20 feet in the air. Well, yes, but I, I, the woods were right there. I got a couple logs. I stacked them on top of each other, and um, I was able to at least reach the cat's tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was yanking on the cat's tail, trying to yank it off the fence so I could at least, you know, oblige and, and rub its belly. What was the structural integrity of this log structure you had going on? Oh, well, they, um, they seemed freshly chopped. Mm-hmm. I just found them in the woods, and there was a bit of a clearing in the area, so I was assuming someone cut down a tree. Which is extremely disappointing mm-hmm. uh, because it was in the middle of the forest. There was no reason to cut down this tree unless it was infected or something. Which would have terribly hindered the structural integrity of the whole thing if it was rotting through. It wasn't rotting, luckily. They so it wasn't infected? No, they weren't infected, no. Um, they were probably about four feet in diameter. Um, I rolled them over from the clearing and I stacked them on top of each other, and I climbed on top of them. Part one of part one is continued in part two of part one of The Reporter's Report.